I believe that our greatest days are just in front of us, and I believe that we are at a moment where if we choose to go all in, the things that God is going to do here are beyond what we could ever imagine. Uh, for this series, we're passing out booklets for everyone, and right now, uh, whether you're in this room here at Goshen or joining us in Mishawaka or St. Pete or even outside at Drive-In, there are people that are going to be passing out booklets for you right now, and the booklets are important because for the next five weeks, we're going on a journey together to talk about what it looks like to truly go all in. What does it look like to follow Jesus, to trust Jesus? to make him the highest priority in our life? What does it look like when we surrender to Jesus and then truly commit to him? And on the last week of this series, the response is gonna be turning in commitment cards. And these are all in your booklets. And a lot of you just went, oh, there's a commitment card. No, I don't want a booklet, I get that. I understand, there's hesitancy when we start talking about these things. But I'm telling you right now, when we talk about taking a next step in our generosity, when we talk about going all in on the plan that God has for us, I got to tell you, I'm really excited about where this series leads us, and I'm excited to dream about what it would look like if all of us really went all in. We're talking about being all involved with the gifts and abilities that God has given us. We're talking about all inviting the people in our lives that are desperate for the hope that we have in Jesus. We're talking about being all invested in the community of believers and into the dream that God has for our lives. And while we're going to be focusing on a lot of these different areas for the next months to come, for the next five weeks, we're really talking about what it looks like to take a next step in our generosity. And you guys, I'm excited about what that looks like, and I want to encourage you just to be thinking about in your heart, in your mind, what Jesus is speaking to you, what it looks like in five weeks on October 10th, uh, what it looks like to make a commitment and take a next step in your generosity. Some of you in your minds, I know this already, you circled in your mind or even put in your calendar, October 10th, skip church. I understand what's going on here. But you guys, what would happen if all of us were all in? What would that look like? Part of this booklet is, is uh, an opportunity to take notes during the sermons. Uh, it's an opportunity to have uh, the discussion questions for our connect groups that are beginning on Wednesday at each of our campuses, Wednesday night at 6.30. We're meeting here for a large group that disperse into small groups around tables. I invite you to join us Wednesday at 6.30. It's going to be amazing at each of our campuses. A, ch a chance to dive in and uh, just dig a little deeper into what it is that God is teaching us and, and drawing us to. Uh, the reality is I think that we're on this, the edge of something amazing. and I'm excited to dive into this with you today because the reality is God isn't calling us to expand a building, you know, or expand a ministry as much as he is calling us to expand our hearts because that's what he cares about more than anything at the end of the day. He doesn't care about our money. He cares about our hearts. And so when it comes to this idea of making a commitment and all of us going all in, I just want you to know up front, everyone is invited. No one is obligated, all right? And just remember that. I want you to listen to what Jesus is speaking into your life. And I want you to dream with me about what it would look like here at Crossroads if all of us went all in. Now, I think here's an important concept that I want to just dive into today as we dive into the, the content of the sermon uh, there's an important statement that I just want you to think about as, as we prepare our hearts today for what God is speaking to us. And that's this idea that God will take us as far as we let him. Would you just stop and consider what that means to you and, and to your life, your journey with Jesus. God will take us as far as we let him. If he is calling us to follow him, I think the only limit to the adventure that he's calling us to, the impact that we can have, 
is on our ability to follow. If I'm not willing to step out in faith and take these next steps that God is calling me to, that limits what God can do through me. God will take us as far as we let him. And I I want you to keep that in mind as we unpack this story in Mark chapter 10. This is a story where Jesus interacts uh, with a young man. And I got to be honest, as we dive into this passage of scripture, this is a devastating story. When, When I think about the different stories in the Bible, the different encounters with Jesus, this really is a tragic story. But there's a lot that we can learn from this as, as we dive in. In Mark chapter 10, 17, it says, As Jesus was starting out on his way to Jerusalem, a man came running up to him, knelt down, and asked, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Now, this is a big moment, right? I mean, this is a guy who runs to Jesus. There's a sense of urgency. He's asking the right question. He's thinking about eternity, and he's talking to the right person. He's talking to Jesus, all right? What an incredible moment that would be to realize Jesus is heading out. I can still catch him. I mean, I'd be right there with him. I'd be running as fast as I could, catch up with Jesus, and ask him that most important question. What must I do to inherit eternal life? There it is. Jesus responds, why do you call me good? Only God is truly good. But to answer your question, you know the commandments. You must not murder. You must not commit adultery. You must not steal. You must not testify falsely. You must not cheat anyone. Honor your father and mother. Teacher, the man replied, I've obeyed all these commandments since I was young. I mean, that's pretty good for his resume. I'm not going to lie. Wow, you checked off all those boxes? That's some good work, man. I mean, this is not a bad guy. He's doing it. He's running to Jesus. He's asking the right questions. He's been doing the right things. This is all lining up pretty good. Looking at the man, Jesus felt genuine love for him. I mean, this becomes what I believe to be a very sacred moment. This is an intimate moment between Jesus and this young man where Jesus just expresses genuine love for him. And I think it goes beyond just that that regular love that he has for all of us. This is a special moment in time where he is face to face with Jesus. Jesus sees this guy. He sees his heart. He loves him. He wants what's best for him. He wants for him to experience this amazing journey. And what follows is extraordinary. He looked at him, felt genuine love for him. And he said this, there is still one thing you haven't done. Go and sell all your possessions. Give the money to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Which, let's just be real, that is a big ask, okay? Let's just be real, like, oh, okay, that could be a game changer here. We, we recognize this is a big moment. And yet here he is. This young man who's chasing after Jesus, he's asking the right questions, he's done all the right things. And Jesus says to him, hey, hey, just one more thing. Hey, man, I, I love you. I believe in you. And boy, do I have big plans for you. Hey, will you, just, will you give up this one last thing you've been holding on to? Give it up. Sell all your possessions, give it to the poor, build yourself treasure in heaven. And then he extends this unbelievable invitation. He says, then come. 
follow me. Join my merry band of gentlemen. (laughs) At this, the man's face fell, and he went away sad, for he had many possessions. I got to be honest with you, I, I read this story, and this is tragic. There's this unbelievable invitation. Jesus says, hey, man, I love you. You're doing it. Hey, will you, will you just do this one, one last thing? And then come, follow me. Hey, let's do life together. Let's experience things that no one has dreamed of. I want you to be on this journey with me. And I wonder, what would have happened if this guy would have said yes? How would this story be different? I mean, think about it. He is being offered the chance to follow Jesus, to be with him, to be part of that inner circle. Jesus loves this guy. He believes in this guy. He says, come, follow me. Let's do this. Jesus has already been sending out his disciples. They've been teaching about about the kingdom. They've been performing miracles. They've been witnesses to everything that Jesus has been doing. And Jesus is inviting this guy on this journey. But the guy, he he walks away hanging his head because he wasn't willing to let go of that final obstacle. And that was the thing that kept him from experiencing this unbelievable journey that God would have had planned for him. Think about it. How many more books of the Bible would there there have been in the New Testament? Like first and second rich young guy? I mean, we don't know his name. What what would the name of that book of the Bible have been? What would his story have been? What wisdom would he have imparted to people? How would that have radically changed his life? How would that have rippled through eternity? It is so tragic to realize that this was a moment where this guy could have said, yeah, I'm all in. And it would have changed everything. But he couldn't give up what what he had control over. And so his world stayed small. He missed out. I hate that. I don't want that to be any one of us. I want us to go all in. I want us to experience everything that God has in store for us. I remember when I was a kid uh, playing with dominoes. Uh, If you're under maybe 20, you're like, what is dominoes? Is that an app on my iPad? Um, No. Actually, in the olden days, we used to play with toys. I don't know if that's a thing. And (laughs) there was this place with a huge light. It was called the sun. We played outside. It was fantastic. We had great times, and sometimes we would play with dominoes, because when you don't have Netflix or, you know, internet, this is pretty fun. And so I would be that kid who I'd set up all of these domino trains. Anybody ever do that? Any raise hands and admit you did that? Yeah, all kinds of weirdos, just like me. Okay. So I would make these domino trains. I'd make them all through the house. Like, I I don't know, we must have had hundreds of dominoes, because I remember making trains all throughout the house, and I'd set them up just like this, and you'd get it all ready, and you're like, all right, here's the big moment, and you knock down the chain, and they all go, and it's like fantastic, and yeah, those were really good times. Those were the good old days. I don't know if they were that great, but it was Okay. Boy, I would hate it. I'd spend all this time setting up the dominoes and you know, one would fall over and they'd all fall over before you wanted them to. Anybody ever have that experience? Like, oh, gee, I just spent eight hours doing this. 
I could have been watching DuckTales. <laughs> Generation X representing today. <laughs> Darkwing Duck. Anybody remember that? <laughs> Inspector Gadget. Come on now. That's a good one. Yeah, 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 yeah. Next time, Gadget. <gasps> Half of you are like, what is wrong? What is happening right now? So I'd be, you know, immersed in that culture. I'd set up my domino train. All these things would happen. The thing about the domino train is that it only works if every part plays its role, all right? Are you tracking me? If this is, if this is the part that I'm called to play, I got to be in the right spot. I got to be in the right position if God's going to use me. If, if all of eternity is represented in this idea that Jesus says, hey man, I've got an unbelievable adventure planned for you. We're going to change the world. We're going to impact things for eternity that impacts generations to come. Let's go on this amazing adventure. Come with me. It's on me to say, yeah, you know what? I'm all in. Because if I don't put myself out there, it doesn't work. Inevitably, I'll knock that over. Oh, I'm so glad they didn't all fall over. That would have been terrible. <laughs> it doesn't work if we're not part of it. I, I got to put myself out there. I got to make myself available. And I just want to see it. That was great. That was very fulfilling and satisfying. I don't know why. We've got to put ourselves in position to be used by God. There's so much that he wants for us to experience. There's a wild adventure that he's calling us to go on. But we've got to be willing to follow him, all right? And that means I've got to go all in. It means I've got to step out of my comfort zone. I've got to be willing to let go of some things that I control and just trust that when I give this to Jesus, he has something wildly better that I can't conceive of or imagine because he's God and I'm not. And if he's calling me to something, I've got to trust that everything that he has planned for me is for my benefit. And it's for his good. And I've got to be willing to let go and say, God, I'm in. I will follow you. I love this, this quote. It says, there is no comfort in the growth zone. Just think about that for a second. If I'm called to grow, <laughs> there is no comfort there. I have to be willing to step out of my comfort zone. It's going to be a little painful. It's going to be a little scary. But there is no comfort in the growth zone. And this is one of those quotes that a genius wrote because all they did was say, here's a great line. Now let's switch it around backwards. And boom, this is a mic drop moment. There's no comfort in the growth zone. But the reality is you flip that around. There is no growth in the comfort zone. If I want to grow, if I want to become more like Jesus, if if I want to experience, honestly, the fullness and the blessing and the favor of the life that he has called me to, then I have to step out of my comfort zone because there's no growth where I hold back and play it safe. Just like when you're working out, you got to build muscle by tearing muscle. It's not comfortable, it's painful, but that's how you get ripped, or so they say. I'll never know. The reality is there's no comfort in the growth zone, and there's no growth in the comfort zone. If we're going to follow Jesus, it's going to get uncomfortable. And that's a good thing. Because when you step out of your comfort zone, that's when God shows up and does the extraordinary. 
And that's what I believe that we are on the cusp of here at Crossroads. Now, I have a vision that this place is the place that's inviting thousands of outsiders to a changed life. How, how amazing would that be if we could be that beacon of light in our community? Because you guys, we're surrounded by people that are hurting. We're surrounded by people that are broken and lost, and this is the place where they are loved. This is the place where they take that step toward Jesus and they can experience a changed life. I want to be a part of that. I don't want to hold back. I, I got to be honest with you, I can't hold back. I had an experience with Jesus. This is about 15 years ago now. But there have been just about three, three or four moments in my life where I didn't hear the audible voice of Jesus, but what he was speaking to me was so profound and so powerful that I could not ignore it. I remember being 16 and uh, at a church service and just the Holy Spirit drawing me to him. That was the moment in my life where I just surrendered. I said, God, I want you to have it all. You can, you can have my life. I give it all to you. A powerful moment in my life that I'll never forget. I remember when I was called to ministry. Oh man, it was terrifying. I said, God, if you want me to go into ministry, you're going to have to make it clear, my man, because whew, that's the last thing that I want to do. And I promised my wife I would never do it. Um, and then I get the call. Tim, we got a youth pastor job here in Clearwater. I'm like, God, thank you. At least it's in Clearwater. Um, but I tell you, that was such a profound moment for me, just overwhelming peace, joy, knowing that, yeah, God had a purpose and plan for me, but I had to walk through that door that he opened. And then there I was as a pastor, about 2005, I find myself in a conference full of pastors, a pastor's conference. Doesn't that sound like fun? Everybody's like, yeah, let's go to that. It was amazing. I'm in a room with about 3,000 other pastors. There's pastors from 2005 that are just killing it at the time. I think it was the days where Rick Warren had just written 40 Days of Purpose, and he was one of the keynote speakers. Like, man, this is amazing. That's Rick Warren. Whoa. Because when you're a pastor, you get geeked out about stuff like that. And I just remember this moment. We're surrounded by 3,000 pastors, all these amazing pastors that are moving and shaking and doing all kinds of things to impact the kingdom. I remember there was a moment where God spoke to me, and I, I was hesitant for a, a full decade to, to share this moment because it didn't, it felt like it was braggy, and then I realized, Tim, you are not very bright because what God just revealed to you uh, is truth for every single person on planet Earth. Because it was in that moment that it was like God spoke to me, again, not the audible voice of God, but man, it was a profound moment where it felt like God was speaking to me and saying, Tim... You see these guys that are on the stage, they're doing all kinds of things for the kingdom. He said, Tim, I can use you just as much as I'm using any one of these guys. I'm going, what? But then there's the caveat. He says, but I can only take you as far as you will let me. And that moment has stuck with me. That's been a moment where I came home from that conference. As amazing as it was, I don't remember a single thing that any one of those guys said, okay? That's the only moment I remember. It's the realization that, man, God has a huge plan for me. But he can only take me as far as I will let him. And again, it took me years to process that because I'm a little slow on the uptake. I played with dominoes and watched Inspector Gadget growing up. Um, because the realization is, and the truth is, that is applicable to every single one of us. God has huge plans for you. But he will only take you as far as you let him. 
That's why these moments where we have to make a choice, am I going to follow Jesus into the uncomfortable space that he's calling me to, that's why these moments are so incredibly important. Because if I'm not willing to step out, if I just kind of hold on to my own little part of the kingdom and try to control things, I limit what God can do in me and through me. And I'm not cool with settling for average. If I hold back and I realize I'm going to miss out on something that God has for me, has for people in my life, then shame on me. I'm not going to settle for that. No, I'm going to give it everything that I've got. That's what's driven me all these years in ministry. I want to give it everything I've got. I'm, I'm all in here. I don't want to miss a single thing that God has for me. And that's what's so tragic about this story with the rich young man. And God had so much in store for him. Imagine the adventure. Daily, being with Jesus, witnessing all that he had done. And missing out on that because you, you couldn't let go. Because you couldn't step out of your comfort zone. You weren't willing to follow. There's something simple and beautiful about that response that just says, here I am. God, I am available. I will follow you. I think that's where the whole journey begins. Of me saying, I am all in. Let's do this. In Luke 9.23, Jesus says this. If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. You got to stop holding on to what you control. You got to give it up. You got to take up your cross daily. Well, that doesn't sound comfortable. And follow me. If you try to hang on to your own life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. What he's circling here in this scripture is that there's way more to this life than what we can just see. And when we choose to follow Jesus, when we choose to give up our own way and choose to embrace his way, when we choose to follow him, that's when everything changes. And you guys, that's the journey that I want to go on with you. As a church, if we can choose to say, Jesus, I will follow you. I will go all in. That's a game changer. The impact that we could have on this community, the impact we could have for eternity, I don't think we can imagine it. God would do something extraordinary here if in this moment of history of, of crossroads we said, I'm going all in. What would it look like if all of us were all in? Our goal here as we move forward in this season of generosity, it's not honestly, it's not a, uh, it's not a numeric goal. I, I, I want to expand our hearts. The goal is 100% participation, that we would all just take a next step in our generation, in our generosity, all of us, all in. What does it look like to step out of our comfort zone? How would God use that to rattle eternity and change lives forever? I want you to think about that as we talk about generosity. Everybody gets real uncomfortable when the pastor talks about money. I know that. It's not really great for me either. I know it's, it's like the last thing that you want to give up, you know, control of in your life. And yet, you guys, there's freedom that comes from leading the way in generosity. It's, it's no, joy and generosity, they go hand in hand. And there's a reason for that. Because when I'm living generously, I'm living the life that God has called me to. I'm experiencing the fullness of his blessing in my life. And I want to challenge you today to think about what that next step in generosity looks like for you. So let, let's fully embrace this moment. Let's embrace the awkward. We're talking about money. Okay, whatever. Uh, let's talk about what's step number one. First step is the initial giver, all right? I love talking about this because this is fantastic. There is no doubt 
people who have come here today, who are watching online, wherever you're joining, who are feeling real awkward, like, oh, I hate it when the church talks about money. I get it. I get it. There's people who have had bad experiences, people that have been untrustworthy. Here's the thing. God cares about your heart. And generosity is part of the heart of God. It flows out of us. And these are the next steps in our faith that God calls us to. And so the initial giver is that person who's even a little bit skeptical. You've said yes to Jesus, but you're still kind of trying to figure out this relationship with God thing and what it looks like. This is a first step in generosity for you. Just start that initial act of giving. And I I love to call this, this is just me being a little bit playful. I love to call this, it's not tithing, it's tipping. All right, let's just think about it in that term. Hey, Pastor Tim gave a pretty decent sermon today. I'll give that a $5 bill. Yeah, good work. a lot of tippers out there, a lot of tippers. <laughs> Some of you are like, I don't know. He had an off day. Worship was a little too loud for me. Uh, two bucks, two bucks, two dollar day. I get it. I get it. That initial step of giving, though, it breaks the cycle. Greed versus generosity. What does that look like? I love the next step, though. You start out initial giving. Yeah, it's like kind of whatever, whenever. Let's see how that goes. Then there's this idea of being a regular giver. This is a big deal because this becomes a habit for you. You're starting to lead the way in generosity by making this a regular part of your life. And so whether it's, you know, I'm pledging to give. I'm going to set my online amount. I'm going to give $20 a week. Set it and forget it. I'm just going to give regularly. I want to give something. What a great next step that is in your, in your faith in your level of generosity, because that lets go of control of, of any, any control that money has on my heart, you're starting to break that stronghold in your heart. You're starting to be a regular giver. You're contributing to the community on a regular basis. That's a great next step. You're leading the way in generosity. The next one, though, is where it starts to get a little bit more crazy, because you are making giving a priority, And this is where the idea of tithing comes into play. In the Old Testament, it was described as bringing your first fruits. It's bringing your best to God. And all throughout the New Testament, or the Old Testament, you see this this, uh, standard definition, like tithing is 10%. That's like the target, that's the goal that you shoot for. Like, can I give 10% of my income uh, to the church? Can I invest that in the kingdom? And that's where you're making giving a high priority. And that's where you're sitting down looking at your finances and realizing, okay, this is the money I have. Uh, where am I going to send it? And you're, you're saying, God, I want to be faithful with the, the funds, the money, the blessings that you've given me financially. I want to give back to the kingdom. That, that's a big step. And i got to be honest with you, that's a commitment Dane and I have made from the very beginning of our marriage. We've always been tithers. We just believe that that's what God wanted us to do. And I'll be honest with you, this is just a fun, vulnerable moment with me. When we went to Clearwater, Florida as a youth pastor, my first job in ministry, when that guy called me and said, Tim, I want you to be my youth pastor, I called him back two days later after I had this breakthrough moment with God, and I said, Ernie, I'm in. Let's do this. All right, we'll see you in two weeks. It was a two-week turnaround because it was February in Elkhart, Indiana, and I needed to get down to Clearwater to minister to those kids. So two weeks later, we show up. This is true life. This is like an inner, I'm just being vulnerable and honest with you. Two weeks, we get down there, start working. And I realize, I for real, I never asked how much I was going to get paid. I had no idea. I just said, God, this is the door you're opening. I'm in. I should have asked. 
I should have asked. That's all I'm going to say. And so those are the moments that test you, right? Like, whoo, all right, we committed the tithe, and here we go. I guess 10% of that isn't that much anyway, so here we go. It just is what it is. But God is faithful. I mean, this is the one thing. Nobody likes to talk about money, and yet, you know, Jesus talked about money more than anything else except the kingdom of heaven itself. Jesus talked about this a lot. And the reality is he's said over and over again in Scripture, test me on this. See if I am not faithful, that if you lead the way in generosity, that I won't meet your every need, that you won't be walking in the blessing and favor of God. And I'm not a prosperity gospel teacher. I'm not telling you, if you tithe 10% today to Crossroads, you'll get all your wildest dreams will come true. I'm not telling you that. I I don't believe it in that way. It it is a matter of your heart. Guys, hear me loud and clear. God doesn't care about your money. I don't care about your money. I care about your heart. Now, I care about you experiencing the fullness of what God has in store for you. And this is how we unlock that in our lives. It's by living generously. Boy, you're wondering, like, man, if the third one was tithing, what's the fourth one? (sighs) This is called a pyramid scheme. I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) I couldn't help myself. (laughs) The radical giver. You're going, what in the world is that? Can you just consider something for a second? Can you just dream with me? What, what would it look like to leave a legacy of generosity? Because that, that's what a radical giver does. To be a legacy giver. Just if that's, if that's the attitude and, and the way that your life is defined as being generous, you are a radical giver. Can we just think about that? I'm not even talking dollars. Can we just ask, let's ask some random questions here. Let me plant the seeds for where we're going in a couple of weeks. Let me ask you this question. Who do you think is liked better? Who do you think has more friends? The person who lives generously or the person who is filled with greed? Who is that guy? Who has more friends? Who's the person whose grandkids like them more? The generous giver or the greedy person? I mean, just think about it. If you answer these questions like, well, if I'm living generous versus greedy, what does my look like, life look like? Guys, the life that's filled with the most joy, the life that is most fulfilled, the life that is most satisfied is the life that is defined by living generously. And what does the devil tell us? Oh, hold on to everything you've got. Live with greed. Consume, consume, consume. I'm telling you guys, you unlock that door to the life that God has called you to by living generously. How cool would it be to say, I've got some goals in my life that I'm, I'm going to be a giver. I'm going to radically give and live generously. That's what my legacy is going to be. Just food for thought as we unpack those over the next few weeks. Just be thinking about what your next step in giving is. And while we're thinking about that, can I just ask you this question? What difference do you think it would make? What do you think it would make at Crossroads if all of us took a new step in living a financially generous life? What kind of impact would we have on the community? How many more thousands of people could we invite to a changed life? What kind of a ripple would that send through eternity? I'm telling you guys, it's generosity. It unlocks this. It keeps us from holding ourselves back. It puts us right in position to live this life that God has called us to. It's how we follow Jesus. It's that attitude and mentality of generosity. In 2 Corinthians 9, as we come to a close, some of you are like, some of you are like oh, thank heavens, it's coming to a close. <laughs> 2 Corinthians 9, Paul writes this. Remember this. A farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop. But the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. 
That's why we're just kind of circling this concept and leaning into this season of giving and a season of generosity. Paul writes, you must each decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure, for God loves a person who gives cheerfully. And I just want to remind you today, what we're talking about with money and leading the way with generosity, everybody is invited to take a next step here, but no one is obligated. So don't be angry at the preacher today, oh, he wants my money. No, I don't. I don't. Man, I want you to experience everything that God has for you. Everyone's invited. No one's obligated. And God will generously provide all you need. Then you always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. I just want to challenge you today, guys. I think it's time to go all in. I think we're on the edge of something really special in the life of our church. I think that the impact that we can have on our community, it's greater than it's ever been. I think we really are surrounded by outsiders, desperate for the hope that we have in Jesus. And I think the only limit to the impact that we can have will be the level of our generosity. You guys, it's time to go all in. What I'm asking you today is, is don't be that guy. Please don't be the, the tragic story. The guy who is right there in the presence of Jesus, who Jesus looked at him and said, man, I love you. I love you so much, and I have such an amazing adventure planned for you. Come on, let's go. Follow me. I want to be the group of people that leans into that moment, that follows Jesus. I want us to be putting ourselves right where we need to be to be a part of what God is doing. Guys, don't miss out. The temptation is to hold back, right? The temptation is to say, nah, I'm okay, I got this. Would you just be willing over these next few weeks as we journey through this season of generosity together just to listen to the voice of Jesus? Would you be willing to just follow him? And whatever he's calling you to, whatever uncomfortable place he's calling you to, whatever uncomfortable step he's asking you to take, would you just be willing to say yes? Here I am. I'm available. I will follow you. I believe with all of my heart that if all of us go all in, if we put ourselves in position for God to use us, we can't imagine what he's going to do, the impact that this church will have in our community for eternity because we're making that choice to go all in. We're making that choice to follow him. So as we come to a close, would you bow your head and close your eyes with me? I would just ask for you to have a really sacred and intimate moment with Jesus right now. I'm just going to ask, what uncomfortable step is God asking you to take toward him? What is it? What does it look like? When we talk about this season of generosity, letting God take us as, as far as he wants to, not being the thing that holds him back, I'm just going to ask, what uncomfortable step is God asking you to take toward him today? I'm just asking you to be willing to say, Jesus, whatever you're calling me to, whatever you're speaking into my life, God, I'm just willing to say, here I am. I'm available. I will follow you. I really believe it with all my heart. God will take us as far as we let him. Let's go all in. As we respond with this song today, I'm just going to invite you to do something as an action moment. On this stage up in front, um, 
everywhere we are watching, whether you're here in Goshen or in Mishawaka, St. Pete, even out at Drive-In Church, we've got dominoes that are available for you. I would just ask you to consider what is it that God's calling you to? What maybe is that uncomfortable place that he's asking you to step out in faith on and maybe to lead the way in generosity? Where is he asking you to follow him? And if your response today is just, God, I don't want to be the thing that, that holds you back. I believe that you'll take me as far as, as I let you. And I want to be all in. I would invite you as we sing this song together to come forward and just grab a domino as a symbol of saying, yeah, I'm in. I'm going to play my part in this plan that you have for eternity. And I want to experience everything that you have in store for me. And by taking that domino, I hope that you'll just put it somewhere where it's a reminder for you for the next few weeks to just be praying about and thinking about where it is that God is leading you. What step of obedience is he calling you to? Where is he calling you to follow him? And my prayer that all of us going all in will change our community, ripple through eternity, change people's lives for generations to come. Will you go all in? I invite you to respond. Grab a uh, domino while we sing this song together. Jesus, you're good. I thank you today for your very many blessings in our life. You have richly blessed us beyond what we could ever deserve. You love us with an extravagant love. You have given us your mercy and your grace. And God, I ask that in light of all that you've done for us, that you would just give us the wisdom and the courage to just step out today and, and to follow you. To allow ourselves to step out of our comfort zones and to let you take us as far as you want us to go. That's my prayer. We surrender it to you and we leave it at your feet, Jesus. We pray this in your name. Amen.